0: Well, if you haven't been with us, uh, we are working our way through 2 Timothy, and uh, for those of you that that haven't been here, um, 2 Timothy is, is Paul is writing to this guy named Timothy, a a guy he spent a lot of time with, a guy he, um, we would say, discipled. Uh, They walked through a lot of life together, and now Paul is at the... uh, nearing the end of his life, Paul's in prison when he's writing this, and he is getting close to his execution, actually, and one of the things I think is pretty cool, uh, some of you might have have noticed this, uh, if you come on Sunday mornings, uh, Kyle and and whoever's preaching on Sunday is preaching through Acts, and, and the part of Acts that they are in right now is kind of the last days, last years of Paul's life. Um, and, and so you will see even more details of Paul's life, um, and these these final time that of, of Paul and, and these last things that he was doing, um, up to his imprisonment. Um, and so it kind of gives more, uh, even more detail to what and and why Paul is writing the way he's writing uh, to Timothy here. If you um, are paying attention and, and catch what's going on in Acts on Sunday, so it adds to what we're talking about in here as well. Uh, so. We are in the second chapter of 2 Timothy. Uh, We're just going to go through the first seven verses tonight. Uh, So 2 Timothy 1 through 7 is where we're going to be. And we all uh, experience some kind of suffering in life, right? And I would say this, that we all suffer in life and it's your choice whether that suffering has purpose or not. So everybody's going to suffer, Everybody's going to experience suffering in in this life. And it's really your choice if you find purpose in that suffering or not. So if we are, if we all have to face it, if we all have to suffer through things, in my mind it makes sense that I would at least want that suffering to have a purpose. I would would at least want that suffering to be moving towards something and not just be experiencing it and, and not get anything out of it. And so... That's what we're going to look at tonight, and we're going to answer this question, how do I, how do I suffer with purpose? So that's, that's where we're headed tonight, how do I suffer with purpose? Uh, and I believe these, these seven verses show us how to do that. Uh, and so Paul starts off in the, in the very first verse here, it says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Some versions say, my son, a, again, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that, that Paul was so close to Timothy that he calls him his child, his son. This is somebody he spent a lot of time with, somebody he um, probably is, is, is the one that, Paul's the one that brought Timothy, uh, disciple Timothy and showed him how to become a mature follower of Christ. And, and then they did a lot of ministry together and then now, like I said, Paul's in prison writing to Timothy just some kind of final encouragement um, before he dies. and He says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So we're going we're gonna to look at four points of, of how we suffer with purpose. Um, the first one, and, and there's a reason, uh, Paul does everything, uh, I think, in, with a purpose behind it as well. And so he even goes through the order of these things purposefully. Um, the very first thing he says is, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus or be strong in the grace of Christ Jesus. So number one, how do I suffer with purpose? I must know, or I must be strong in, or be strengthened by, whichever one of those you want to put, I must be strong in or be strengthened by grace. I must be strong in or be strengthened by grace. So when I first read that, I don't know about you, when I first read that, or when you hear that, be strengthened by grace, that, that, I don't know, it was a little confusing to me, because I, I understand like, be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit, be strengthened by the power of God, like that makes sense for me to be strengthened by the power that God has. But this is saying be strengthened in and be strengthened by the grace of Christ Jesus. So as I thought about that more, as I read about that, as I prayed about that more, I think, it, I think what he's saying there is this, that we never stop needing the grace of Christ. Uh, we constantly need reminded of what Jesus has done We constantly need to be reminded that that Christ has died for us, that he has given his life so that I can live forever with him. I I don't know about you, but for me, it's really easy to go about my day. It's really easy growing up here in, in this part of the world to forget how much I need grace. To forget how much I need the grace of Christ in my life. To forget how much it really does matter that Jesus Christ died for me and for you. And so I need, I need to be reassured every day that there's nothing that I can do that will make God love me more, and that there's nothing that I can do that will make God love me less. I need reassured of that every day. Um, some of you may be familiar with, uh, did you guys, when you were young, this wasn't in school when I was there, uh, but younger grades, they have a color chart, right? Anybody everybody familiar with that? You know what that is? Like, basically they track their behavior throughout the day with this color chart, so Every day that Owen comes home from school, he tells us what color he got. And uh, basically, that communicates to us what his behavior was like at school, right? Everybody starts on green. You stay on green. Um, If you have a great day, then you stay on green. If the teacher catches you doing something awesome or, like, helping somebody else else out or you're just especially, like, obedient that day, then you get moved up a color. The next level is blue and then the highest level is purple but apparently you can even go higher than that in Owen's class because he says you can like get on the hook which is even above the colors if you're like super awesome, right? Uh, Yeah, and you get two suckers if you do that, two. But then the opposite end of green is you can go down to yellow and then you can finally go down to red. Uh, And so, and you can move throughout that chart during the day depending on how you behave, right? And so... I think about this, when I, what I just said, that I need reassured every day that there's nothing that I can do that will make God love me less and there's nothing that I can do that will make God love me more. His grace, his love is perfect for me all the time, right? I need reassured of that. I need reminded of that. I need to believe that truth every day. And when I talk with my son, uh, when I talk with Owen about, we use that chart, and this is what I think of how God <laughs> looks at my life, right? That, that I need to know um, that I want Owen to know that there's nothing that he can do that will make me love him less, and there's nothing that he can do that will make me love him more. And so I, we were talking the other night in bed, and uh, I said, but you know, like, if you get red at school, and you come home and you did something and you, th- to deserve red at school, that I still love you the same as I do every day. Like, I love you no matter what. And, and we've talked about it enough that he kind of knew where I was going, and he was like, and dad, if I get like on the ribbon, like above all the colors, on, on the ribbon at school, or on the hook, or whatever one it is, uh, he said, that doesn't make you, make you love me more either, and I was like, exactly, and so he, he gets that, like that's, I think that's why this, what, what he's saying here, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The grace that is in Christ Jesus lets you know that when you live your life, Nathan, that no matter how bad of a day that you have, or how great of a day that you have, he still loves you no matter what. Maybe if you made all the decisions in the world that were right today, and you shared Christ with like 27 people at, at school, which is awesome, uh, he loves you just as much on that day as, as the day when you just cared about yourself and didn't care about anybody else. Like, he, lo- he loves you the same no matter what. And, and it's, the other, th- the other thing that I, And the other way I've heard this described that I like that that this verse brings out to me is that the gospel, Jesus dying for me um, and rising from the dead to conquer sin and death so that I could have a relationship with him and trusting in that. Like, the gospel isn't, it doesn't just save me. Like, you don't just hear the gospel and then you're saved by it and that's it. And then you don't have to worry about the gospel anymore. You don't have to think about Jesus dying for you anymore. And it's just like this one-time thing that you believe and then you're done. The gospel not only saves us, it also sustains us. It's the same thing, it it saves us and it sustains us. It makes us grow. Thinking about the gospel and being reminded of the gospel, being reminded of what Jesus has done for me, is is what causes me to grow. Because the more that I understand that, the more that I am grateful for that, the more that I want to live for him. And it pushes me to do things that, that, that will bring him glory. Um... And so when I think about this verse, that he's saying, be strengthened by the grace that is, at Christ, is in Christ Jesus. Here's why I think grace strengthens us. Here's why I think it strengthens me. Think about it this way. that When, when, when I'm thinking about grace, when I understand grace, I understand the grace of Christ. And I understand, think about that color chart, right? And I understand that if I have a horrible day or I have an awesome day, that Christ loves me exactly the same. And that's perfect all the time. When I get that, when I understand that, when I believe that, it frees me from trying to do all this stuff on my own and put so much pressure on myself to be good and be perfect. It frees me from trying to be perfect in my own life when I understand the grace that I have in Christ, right? It frees me from trying to be perfect, but it also frees me from the fear that if I fail, that he won't love me anymore either. So it frees me from like trying to overachieve all the time and it frees me from the times when I, when I screw up. And when I, when I experience that freedom, when I understand grace and I, and I get that freedom from those pressures, then that strengthens me. Do you get that? Like when I understand that, then it makes me want to live for him even more because I know I can't screw it up and I know it's not just on me to complete these things. And so that's why I think grace strengthens us. That's why I think this is the very first thing he says in this, this line of reasoning with, with Timothy is like, you, you have to start here. Be- because if you don't understand the grace of Jesus, then all these other things I'm about to tell you, you're going to hold the weight of those things yourself and you're going to be so afraid of failing or you're going to be so consumed with trying to do all these things on your own that you're going you're to destroy yourself. You're going you're to you need the grace of Christ to to start out. If you're going to suffer with purpose, we need to be strong in the grace of Christ Jesus. Because think about this. This is what that grace shows me too. It shows me that he doesn't need me. God doesn't need me. God doesn't need me. God doesn't need Lauren. God doesn't need Jesus to, to carry out his plans. He wants us which is far better than needing us. He wants us. And he wants us to be involved in the things that he has going on. But he does not need us. You have to get that. He does not need you to carry out the things that he wants to carry out. But he wants you. And the best example of that I can think of is with my kids, right? I want my kids to help, uh, help me with things and help in quotations, right? Our kids are six and under. So and they don't do a lot of help a lot of the time. They want to help, like Annabelle, who is two, wants to help load the dishwasher, right? And so she comes and she does the best that she possibly can. She can do some things, but usually it's like thrown in there and then all of a sudden she's like playing with something and she like dumps the water out of something onto the floor and it's like this big mess, right? So her helping me, do I want her to help me because it is far more efficient with her? By no means is it more efficient, right? I want her to help me because I want her to be a part of things with me. I want her to come alongside of things with me, and I want to see her get to figure things out for herself and see her get to be who she is and and try to help her along that. And so I say, she helps us. And in the same way, I think God does the same thing with with us, you know? Like, sometimes our kids help make dinner, right? (laughs) And I'll come in, and they're helping Lauren, and it's like, doesn't sound like a lot of help it sounds like a lot of frustration right they're like sneezing on stuff and Lauren's like oh my gosh we're about to serve this to people maybe we shouldn't eat at our house I don't know um we're about to serve this stuff to people and, you know they're like sneezing on things and they're like they're just making things a lot messier but we want them involved we 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 had them we, we the whole point of having our kids wasn't because we needed them and we felt empty life was a lot easier without them but we wanted them, that, that's far more important and that's far better than needing them. And I think, again, this is what's wrapped up in being strong in the grace of Christ Jesus is that, like my kids helping me make dinner, he wants me involved, he does not need me. But he wants me involved, and he wants me a part of things. Um, and I take a lot of comfort and I get a lot of strength out of knowing that I can't mess up his perfect will and what he's doing. I cannot mess up his perfect will and what he's doing. Nicholas, you cannot mess up his perfect will and what he is doing. You can. And not only is he good enough not to let us mess up his will, but he uses our failures. When we do screw up, when we do mess up big, scripture even says that he will cause everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose in Romans 8:28. So even the things that we screw up, he will use for our good if we let him. Like the depth of that grace and trying to understand that more and more will give you so much strength to live this life and to suffer with purpose. Because when you're suffering and you understand this grace, when you're suffering through things, then you understand like this is the God who's in control, this is the God who loves me, this is the God who knows this suffering is going on, the same God that died on the cross, the same God that, that has given everything so that I could be with him. And so I find strength in that grace. And so that verse makes a ton more sense to me now after spending some time in that. So I have to be strong in the grace of Christ Jesus. The next thing, I need to be teaching the truth, teaching the word of God to other faithful people that will be able to teach others. That's the next thing he goes into. Verse two, it says, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This one's going to be a little bit harder, to t- harder uh, on the surface to tie into, like, why does that matter when, with how I suffer? Um, but track with me for a minute. This is our purpose. Verse 2 is our purpose in life as believers. This is what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Like I said at the beginning of this whole book that we started talking through. This book is about discipleship. It's about Paul discipling Timothy. And you see a ton of these principles of discipleship in here. But in this verse, discipleship, this is what, what our life should be about. This is our purpose. As a follower of Christ, I would say this above all else is why you are here. To make disciples. To make disciples. Jesus' last words, his last words. Encouragement, his last command to us before he went back to heaven. The last thing, if he could, he could choose anything to say to us that we would have marked down, that we would know as the last words, like you, like you know most anything. Like the last words that people say before they go, it's, it's often the most important. The thing I want you to remember the most, right? And so as Jesus is about to ascend into heaven after he's already risen from the dead, until he comes back to this earth again, the last thing that he leaves us with is go and make disciples. That's his command for us. That's, that's the last thing that he says. He says, go and make disciples. This is what he wants for us from us more than anything else before he comes back. He didn't say, go and make churches. He didn't say, go and make families. He didn't say, go and make friends. He didn't say, go and make money. He didn't say, uh, go and make music. He didn't say, go and make su- successful careers. He didn't say, go and make Instagram followers, Right? He didn't say those things. He could have said a lot of things. And none of those those things are necessarily bad, right? But he said make disciples. That was his charge to us, is to make disciples. And none of those other things are bad. Making families, making careers, making friends. And actually, all those things can be used as ways to help make disciples. Like, that's one of the reasons that we have kids. We want to make some disciples, literally. Make disciples, right? Uh... And so, making disciples is the purpose of our life. It's, it's our purpose, and, and here's why that, why that matters with, with, with regard to suffering. What does making disciples have to do with suffering? It gives us purpose. It sets our minds on what really matters and therefore eases the blow of suffering, I think. So if we know our purpose, and we know our purpose is to make disciples, and that's what our focus is on, usually the things that I suffer through, I don't know about you, usually the things that I suffer through are things that are temporary, right? I think that's the truth for everybody, that the things we suffer through are temporary things. And so being reminded of my purpose, being reminded that what I am here to do on this earth, more than anything else, more than be a husband, more than be a father, more than be a pastor my number one purpose in life is to make disciples and I hope I use all those roles that God has put me in to do that but that's my goal that's my purpose above all else is to make disciples and when I know that and when I believe that and when I see like my purpose is making disciples and I see the purpose of my life a lot clearer then it then it allows me to set my mind on things that really matter and it eases the blow of suffering when it comes my way uh, so, making disciples, needing to be people that make disciples. And, and a couple of things I want to point out and how you do that. And um, that Paul, the way Paul states things in here, he says, um, let me read it again. What you have heard from me. So, these are things, this is the, the truth that, that Timothy has heard from Paul. So part of discipleship is like you just, you hear instruction, you hear truth, you hear things um, from this person who's going to pour into you. If you're the one discipling, which again, if we are, you cannot be a disciple unless you're willing to invest in and disciple other people. That's the whole point of being a disciple is to make other disciples. And so as disciples, we are, as followers of Christ, we are called to make more disciples, uh, and he's saying what Paul was doing was speaking the truth to Timothy all the time, instructing him. Um, and then it says, in the presence of many witnesses. So now, this wasn't just like, they didn't just have one-on-one coffee all the time. Right? That they, they Timothy went out with Paul and, and like watched him do some ministry too. Timothy went out and, and watched Paul preaching to other people, telling other people about the truth. He, he went alongside Paul and he, they did ministry together. They worked through these things together. And so part of discipleship is not just teaching somebody, but letting them in your life so that they can watch the things that you're doing as well. And it says, Entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is the other thing. So if, if you're at the point where you're like, like I don't, I, if my whole purpose is to make disciples and I'm not doing that, and I'm a follower of Christ, like this is something that I want to do. These, like I said, these keys, it's teaching people the truth of God, the truth of God's word and and what you know about God, what you know about his word, that's what's one aspect of it. It's inviting them into your life, like inviting them into the things that you do and into the ways that you live life, finding ways to do that so that they can see you live this thing out, so that they are not just hearing you speak truth, but they're watching you live it out. Uh, That's why we have you in our house on Monday nights. And I hope you know that. Like, we want you to see our life. We want you to see how our marriage works. We want you to see how we parent our kids. And we want you in our lives so you can see it. And so that we're not just talking at you, but you would see us live this thing out. And then the last thing here, he says, entrust it. So somebody needs to be discipling somebody else so that they can be discipling somebody else. And they can disciple somebody else. And this is how it goes so that everybody would hear the gospel. Uh... It says, but to faithful men, faithful men who will be able to teach others also. When I think about that, when I hear that, I think about, because um, you, you can say like, man, there's so many people. You're right. There is. There's so many people to pour into. There's so many people that like to try to disciple. Um, what I tell all of our leaders, I hope they ex- disciple people within their groups, right? I hope you get discipleship within the groups that you meet in, in here, here in a minute when we break up, like I hope in that, like, 8 to 10 people, there's a lot of truth that comes into your life, but I even ask them, in that group of 8 to 10 people, pick one or two that you really, here, here's, how I, here's how I would say how to figure out who to pick, right? Pick one or two people that you could really come alongside them and ha- invite them into different parts of your life so that they could see you live this thing out. And I, I always say, pick the people that you know want to get poured into, because here's... here's The truth of it is there's some people, and somebody told me this example a long time ago, I thought it was really good, it always just stuck with me, that if you try to pour something into a cup that has a lid on it, what's going to happen? Nothing's going to get in that cup, right? And so if you try to pour something into a cup that has no lid, then it will go in. Pretty basic principle that you can fully understand, right? Uh, I always tell leaders, find people that are open cups, They don't have a lid on it. They're they're ready to receive everything that you're trying to tell them. There are people that are obviously wanting to know how to be a follower of Christ. And there are other people just right now in their life, they don't really care about that. And that's the truth of it. And so for you that are, if you are a follower of Christ, it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. There's somebody that doesn't know as much about God as you do if you are a follower of Christ. And so there's somebody that you can find to disciple that you can pour into um, and that's what we're called to do so if I know my purpose and I know specifically my purpose as, as making disciples and this is gonna lessen this blow of suffering that comes into my life number three this one's this one's crazy right simply know that you will suffer know that you will suffer and know that it's worth it those two things really in this in this one point Know that you will suffer, and know that it's worth it. Here's why it's, it's, it's almost too obvious, right? Knowing that you will suffer, that's the very first thing that I started with. But here's why that's helpful. Don't be surprised by suffering. It's been around since sin entered into the world, and it will be around, suffering will be around until Christ comes back, and everything is, we're on the new earth with Christ forever, and then everything's perfect. In between that time, there's going to be suffering, No matter how closely you follow Christ, there's going to be suffering. We're promised that. Even Christ himself says we will suffer if we follow him. Here's here's why that's important to know, I think, and important to think about. When you know something is coming, it's always easier to deal with. When you know something is coming, you have time to brace yourself, right? You know something is about to come at you, you have time to brace yourself and prepare for that. So, if you know in your life that suffering is going to happen and it's going to continue to happen, just knowing that alone and believing that lessens the blow of it a little bit too because it's not a surprise to you. So, I've heard people say this a lot too, like you can, you're either coming through some kind of issue that you're suffering through, you're, or you're about to go into something that you're suffering, or you're in the middle of suffering right now, right? And so... That's the pattern of life. That's what's going to happen. We live in a simple world. You're going to suffer. And if you know that, and you know that ahead of time, and you don't live in this, with this false expectation that all of a sudden one day there's not going to be any suffering in your life, false expectations always produce frustration in my life. False expectations always produce frustration. So if I have the false expectation that suffering is going to go away in this lifetime, then when it doesn't and it keeps happening, I'm going to keep getting frustrated. But I know it's going to happen. And when I get through this thing, then something else is going to happen eventually. But here's, here's the part that's, that's, that's good, but what makes it even better is that I know that the suffering that I have, the suffering that I'm going through, has a purpose. Uh, Paul gives us three illustrations here. He uses three different illustrations. He's, he uses uh, a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. It sounds like the beginning of a joke, right? There was a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. I don't know the rest of it. Um, there's a, so soldier is the first one that he says, right? In verse three and four. It says, suffer, uh, share in the suffering as a good sol- soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Um another version says it this way, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life, so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. So, think about soldiers, right? Soldiers suffer hardship through battle, right? A lot of different kinds of suffering that they deal with um, in battle. Other characteristics of soldiers that I think are important that he's trying to pull out here for us. They're single-minded in their purpose. They don't get distracted from their mission. That's what he means by a good no good soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, or the other version says no good soldier gets himself entangled in the affairs of everyday life. So when a soldier is on a mission, they they're focused on the mission. They have to be away from their families. They have to be away from normal life. They have they live in their own barracks and those kind of things, and they're focused on a mission, and they stay focused on that. So. I think that's a point that he wants us to get out of that illustration, that as we suffer hardship as believers, that we should be single-minded in this purpose like we just talked about, that he just, he just mentioned, that we are to make disciples. That's our mission. That would be focused on that purpose, that we'd be self-disciplined in that, and that another aspect of soldiers that I think is, is a part of this as well, even though he doesn't clearly state this, is that soldiers are unquestioning in their obedience to their commanding officers, right? You don't get a lot of... Uh, Talking back, if you're if you're if you ever see anybody that's in the army, anybody that's in any kind of, any kind of military, right? There's not a lot of talking back to their officers. They know better than that. They just they obey what their officers ask them to do. They obey their commanders and they follow their orders, right? Uh, unquestioning in their obedience. Again, I hope that I would I would, I would trust God enough even in the midst of my suffering, that I'm unquestioning in my obedience, even though I don't fully understand it sometimes. And what's the result, what's the reward of that, of a soldier who is good and who does those things? He pleases the one who has enlisted him. So for us, pleasing the one who enlisted us, I asked Brandon to sing uh, I'm in the Lord's Army, yes sir, you know, but he wouldn't, I don't know why. Um, So take it up with him. I thought we should sing it tonight. I thought it was relevant, but... I don't know. Uh, so soldier eh, and then athlete is the next one. An athlete suffers. An ath- athlete endures training, right? Anybody who's an athlete, anybody who plays sports, really on any level, you, you, you see like you have to train, you have to practice, you have to give up things in order to compete. And the, the higher and higher levels of that you have to give up more, and you have to give up more, and you have to suffer more, and you have to work out more. Like, they own your life a lot more as you get higher and higher on these levels, right? You can talk to Jamal about that. Um, you have to train a ton in order to get the results that you want. And so they suffer through training. An athlete suffers. Um, the other thing that it points out here that, that he points out specifically in in this illustration of an athlete, that they compete by the rules. The only way you win the prize is if you compete by the rules. Jamal's a long jumper, right? And so if Jamal wanted to get the longest jump and he ran past the foul line and he just kept running and then he jumped once he got into the sand, which would be stupid anyway, I guess, uh, if he cheated, it doesn't count. If he goes past that foul line even like, what, a millimeter, even the tiniest bit and they catch it, that jump doesn't count. The only way you win the prize is if you compete by the rules. And so, what I think he's saying here is that, that God has given us a lot of rules, and, and, and not even that, I would even say rules, well, sure, rules, that's what he's saying here, um, that if we, if we live by these things, if we live by the things that God has given us, and compete in that way that he uh, has provided for us, then that's how we get to win the prize, And then this last example, he talks about a farmer. A farmer suffers or works hard in the field. A farmer suffers or works hard in the field, and he plants and waters seed. Why? What's the reward of the farmer for working that hard, for planting and watering and and, and investing all that time? What does the farmer get? He's the first to receive his share of the crops. And so you see in all these examples this idea of suffering. There's suffering in all those, but the suffering produces something. The The suffering is for a reason. It's not just meaningless. It's not just pointless. Suffering has a purpose. It has something that you're going to achieve. All three of these examples show that, that suffering that we experience as followers of Christ is not pointless. In fact, it's achieving something great, a prize that is far greater than any of the suffering that we ever experience. And so knowing that, like living with the end in mind, put it that way, remember that phrase, just living with the end in mind. Think about this is what I'm going towards. This is what I'm fighting for. This is what, as much as an athlete thinks about championships and things like that, that drives them to train, as much as anybody that, that's not even on a team that works out really hard because they want their body to look this way. Like, you think about the end in mind when you're going through things that are painful. And so that's his point here, that, that there's a reward for this suffering when you are suffering in the name of Christ. And it's not pointless, it's not meaningless, it has purpose. And then finally, the last point that he makes. Paul says to Timothy, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So what Paul knows, what Paul acknowledges, what he pushes Timothy, he's even discipling Timothy in this, in the way that he writes. He says, think over what I say, think about what I've been saying, think about all these things that I've been saying. Um, But You need more more than just what you think and in your effort and your interpretation of things. You need the Lord to give you understanding in everything. And so on both sides of that, Paul knows that his words aren't powerful enough to change Timothy's life. The Lord needs to give Timothy understanding in those words. The words are important. The words are good. They're helpful. But they're not powerful enough to change anything. And he knows that Timothy, in order to get a real understanding of Scripture, a real understanding of this truth that he has shared, God alone is the only one that gives the truth of that. And so not only the truth of what he's saying, but if you think about that, he's talking a lot to Timothy about suffering, because like we talked about before, there's a lot of suffering going on around him. There are a lot of Christians being killed because, simply because they're following Christ. That's happening around Timothy, like literally around Timothy and, and where he's living And so Paul is reminding him, like, the purpose of your suffering even, the understanding of your suffering is not going to come from you trying to think it out just on your own. You need God himself to show you the purpose in that. You need God himself to show you the purpose in your suffering, to show you the clear understanding of anything, whether that's suffering, whether that's the gospel, whether that's his grace. He's the one that's going to give understanding to those things. And so... I don't know what God is specifically trying to teach you right now in your life and whatever it is that you're suffering through. And you can think about all those things, and I I say a lot of the same examples over and over again because it's a lot of the things that you're struggling with over and over. It's families that are broken. Home life that's not fun to be around. Like why, and, and you can suffer through that and think like, well God, why would you put me in this? Like why would I be in this situation? Why am I suffering in this way? people dying, people getting sick and those kind of things, all this kind of suffering, even just suffering through like, I feel alone at high school. Like, I feel alone in school. I feel like nobody understands me. I I don't know why that you may be suffering through the things that you're suffering through, but I know that God does and that he has purpose in that suffering. And if you seek to find that, if you seek to find him he will show up in the middle of that and he may not give you answers for everything right this second but but he does give us purpose he gives us purpose to get through those things and purpose to suffer through that well um to where the things that we walk through the things that we're suffering through are not meaningless but that they have meaning they have purpose they have relevance in our life and in the lives of the people around us um